0: And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD.
2: I'm here. And this is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Just for you, here I am, your man of the hour. What a great day it is, folks. I love it. You know what? The terrorism thing is already starting to subside a little bit in Paris, and we'll talk about that later. But i got to tell you this, my wife brought this up to me, and it it just tickled me pink. Back in the 60s and 70s, which most folks don't know about or remember, there was a big debate about the artificial sweetener, saccharin. Now, saccharin was thought to be a cancer-causing agent back in the day, and the Federal Drug Administration banned it, said you couldn't bring it onto the market. The Food and Drug Administration said, no way, Jose. Well, the public was outraged because it was the first major breakthrough for diabetics to be able to have sweetened uh, foods and candies without having to intake, consume more sugar. So it became a big hot potato, and it was even before Congress, and it actually took a congressional act of Congress to change that and allow it to come onto market. Well, now, my wife points out to me, and I just Googled it, saccharin, has been wrongly labeled as a cancer-causing agent, according to researchers at the University of Florida. Now, nearly 15 years after it was declared safe, the researchers have found that the artificial sweetener can inhibit cancer cell growth. So it's an anti-cancer agent. I love it when our government goes off on a tangent and 20 or 30 or 40 years later it's shown to be nonsense. So the saccharin shows considerable promise for its ability to inhibit an enzyme upregulated in many cancer cells. Enzymes are chemicals that speed up reactions, chemical reactions and biochemical reactions. And thus it helps tumor cells survive. Now this and metastasize and go to other parts of the body. So this will inhibit this enzyme that upregulates the cells, the cancerous cells, to grow out of control. Unbelievable, unbelievable. The findings are published recently in the Journal of Bioorganic and Medicinal Chemistry, and it's going to be presented out in Denver at some conference. So just for those of you who remember and for those of you who don't, think about what your federal government does and does not do for you and when they're right and when they're wrong, because they are not often right. Not that they're not trying, but we love it. When a plan comes together, we love it when we can see that they may not know exactly what they're talking about, even though they want to be paternalistic and tell us how to lead our lives. You know, the thing I like the most when I look at this, Chris, is I I think about Bill Clinton, who was an anti-smoker guy, campaigned against smoking. Meanwhile, he's a closet smoker. And Obama smokes, too. You don't stay skinny like Obama does unless you're either working out like a you-know-what or you're smoking cigarettes to suppress your appetite. So what's going on in Europe now? Well, the Parisians, are all going back to work, bravely defiant of the fear of another terrorist attack. Actually, the, the threat drops exponentially when you get federal troops out on the streets with automatic weapons that are loaded, and I'm sure there's a lot of that on the streets of Paris now. And investors, the markets, they're pretty much unfazed. Why? Because over the millennia, we've learned that terrorism doesn't really affect the markets. What it affects is the people and the morale and the fear factor. Certainly, if we're headed for a downturn like we were after 9-11, it's going to play into it. But there's no reason to let it drag the markets down. Trading goes on. No major industries have been destroyed by terrorism. So that keeps going. So the sign of the times is more likely that the markets will ignore terrorism as long as it doesn't threaten any major production or industrial functions or governments. And that doesn't seem to be happening so what does suffer economically and I think it's important for us to talk about this because it might be a great opportunity for you and me to see Europe well of course travel and tourism related stocks airlines booking sites cruise lines Delta Airlines American Airlines these can all be affected Expedia priceline.com all the things we see on TV and It can mean cheaper prices for travel and for cruises all over the world, including the Caribbean, which a lot of people in the Tampa, St. Pete, and actually all over the country, a lot of people utilize the cruise lines into the Caribbean, either on the east or west coast of Florida. So this is a good time to start and take a look at that and see if there's somewhere you want to go that's attainable at a reasonable price. So, the downturn in travel stocks is common, and typically it's transitory in reaction to threats and acts of terrorism. The long term effect of economic impact of fearful consumers and tighter controls and regulations are temporarily drops in the number of visits to the mall, but that passes quickly. That passes quickly. More importantly is the movement between nations and and tighter border controls and more delays at the border. So if you're traveling internationally, you may find that it's going to be a little bit longer that you're standing in line to clear customs and immigration. And when I say internationally, I mean even into Canada because in Canada, it's been an ordeal for us to get through at the Toronto Airport was a little easier this year, but that was before the Paris attacks. And it's become that way after 9-11, not only in the United States, but in Canada and all over Europe, most of the world, as we've seen, has been impacted by terrorism. And there's a lot more security in place now. And there's a lot more checkpoints to travel and move from one country to another. So the long-term effects of fearful consumers and international travelers and increased security is one drawback to traveling and to commerce and, and to interaction between the nations. But we also have to look at the state of the economies in the countries that are most impacted by these terrorist attacks and Of course, we're talking about France and Belgium right now, although Tunisia has been hit, Egypt has been hit, the Israelis are being hit, there's terrorism still ongoing in Iraq, and of course, Syria is a mess, so there's a lot of countries in the Mediterranean basis, or I should say basin, and the European Union, the European Union's trying to figure out how to absorb all of these Syrians and North Africans who are fleeing their homelands and trying to get into Europe. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But the fragility of both the European economies and institutions underpinning the markets are under threat because of the real concerns By people, about what's going to happen to them if they go to the mall in Paris or go to the Eiffel Tower, which is a big tourist attraction and draws millions of people every year. And it ain't cheap to get up to the top of that thing either. So it's good income for somebody. I don't know who owns it, probably the state. And we can see consumers all across Europe pulling in, saying, wait, I don't think I want to go out and buy anything now. Of course, Amazon's going to boom, the online store. And for those of you who have not experienced Amazon, I strongly urge you to do that. I'm not receiving any compensation or I don't have any advertising agreements with Amazon, but oh my gosh, it is wonderful. You can get stuff within a couple of days, almost anything you want or need, consumer goods, computer goods, Radio station equipment, it's all their videos, movies, TV shows, it's all available. And that's going to push up their stock, but the stocks of the retail stores in Europe are going to suffer, and Europe is already reeling. Remember the Greeks, they pulled things down, and now the, the Spaniards are voting in a Communist Party leadership. Promises to end the austerity programs. You know, they want to quit working at 55 and get full retirement. Who's going to pay for it? The Germans and the French are going to balk and say, wait a minute. This ain't going to happen, dudes. We're not lending you any more money. The EU can't afford it. European Union can't afford it. And the euro is dropping like a rock. British shoppers remained home over the weekend And in London's busy West End and in popular shopping malls, visits have dropped over the past week. Now, this may fade, and people may return to the streets and to shopping once again if there are no more terrorist attacks in Europe. And it looks like the Europeans are really batting the hatches down. Belgium's been on lockdown. I think they're easing up now. Of course, Paris is in a snit, and it also is going to do damage to the free movement between the European Union members. How does that work? Well, as an American, I flew into Milan this summer, or this fall. The wife and I took a trip there, and we passed customs in Milan. Now, once we pass customs in Milan, we're free to move between any other European Union member state or nation without having to stop at the border, without having to have another check, without having to present our passports. We can move anywhere we want within the 26 of 28 nations that have joined that part of the European Union, the treaty that says they'll have open borders, Great Britain and Ireland, Irish Republic, being the two that did not sign on to that part of the European Union agreement, not for reasons of concerns about terrorists from the Middle East, but more because of terrorism and movement back and forth between the Irish Republic and Great Britain, part of which is Northern Ireland, and Irish Republic is the southern part of the, of the island, and the, uh, Northern Ireland is the British part that's in the northeast. And there's still a lot of hard feelings between the Irish and the English. So what's this going to do to free movement within the European Union? And you say, that doesn't matter to me. It should, because if one of these ISIS terrorists can get in, can pass through one border, then he's in all the borders, and he's got a lot more freedom of movement to go to whatever nation or whatever area is going to be friendly, and he can foment revolution and terrorism. And it's a lot easier to get from the European Union to the United States than it is from Syria to the United States. We see Syrians getting all kinds of passports, Greek, Turkish, whatever they can find, whatever forger is available, and you can buy it. And so it makes it easier for them to move around. And, of course, this is a big concern for us, and we've already had several states say they're not taking any Syrian refugees at this point until we have a better system for checking the backgrounds of these folks making sure they have valid passports and that they're not terrorist and of course even with that there's no absolute just like with saccharin, the government is saying or was saying and in, in days gone by it's cancer-causing and now it seems to be cancer-preventing so it's an imperfect system that's for sure and this is going to have a big impact on the Europeans. Will they hold together as a union? Well, I hope so, because it's in our best interest to see that the European Union survives and is sustained and continues to grow. Remember, these folks have caused innumerable regional, continental, and world wars. And one of the main reasons that we pushed for the European Union after World War II was to have a common buying arm for raw metals, which can be used to build weapons, and that way the French and the Germans could keep an eye on each other's production of weapons. Because if you make so many cars out of steel, and you've bought this much steel from the cooperative, and it doesn't equal up, then you start looking around saying, what are you doing with the rest of the steel? Dude, oh, we're making refrigerators. Okay, so you go to the refrigerator plant and you say, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that accounts for it. And that is a way of keeping those two countries and other countries within the Union from fighting with each other. Still very tribal. Getting better, though. But, you know, the Italians sniff at the French. The French sniff at everybody else. The Germans don't have to sniff because they think they're the best. And on it goes. So we want free movement. We want these folks to get to know each other very well and work together very, very well. We don't want another world war. And We know that the assailants, or at least one of them, in the Paris attack was traveling on a Syrian passport. Where'd they get those? Well, as I said last week, ISIS conquered Different cities that had embassies, sub-embassies, sub-state departments for Syria, and had the machines to print passports, Syrian passports, real passports. Another reason we need to dismantle the ISIS gang. Imagine the problems, though, if the European Union, which is... 28 nations 26 of which participate in the open border treaty what a mess it would be if you if they re-erected their border patrols and you had to show ID and go through immigration and customs every time you went from italy to spain what if you're a truck driver and you're hauling cheese or wine or pottery or whatever and you're trying to get to paris to offload it for your boss and you get stopped at the border, and they make you empty your trailer, make sure you're not hauling any bombs or terrorists in the back of your tractor trailer. It'd be a mess. Think of our own homeland security and our own TSA out at the airports. What a pain that is. I mean, really, it's it's a. a, a I have to stop and think long and hard before I will go on a major trip that requires air travel. I hate going through all of those checkpoints. It's really silly. And although it may be a deterrent for one in a billion terrorists to come out there and do something, what a 66 year old doctor is being shaken down for is beyond my comprehension. And I've been patted down. I've been scanned. I've been wanded. I've got to tell you this one story. This is great. You guys are not going to believe this, but this is a true story. So I had a hernia, and I had one of those trusses. It's a, like a belt device that holds the hernia in in your groin, and it had a little metal clip on it. And so I go through the metal detector at the airport years ago, and it sets it off. You know, I've taken off my shoes, off my belt, emptied my pockets, done the whole thing. Guy says, come here. I said, okay, and he wands me down, and he says, do you have something metal there? I says, oh, my God, I forgot I've got on a hernia truss. He said, well, let's go in this room, and you can show me. I said, I ain't going nowhere with you, dude. Pulled my pants down right in the middle of the airport. He said, zip up, get out of here, go, go. I mean, this is silly. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not a terrorist. I don't even fit the profile. I don't even carry weapons. I'm, but. So you think about 600 million people, almost twice our population, having to deal with a TSA and a Homeland Security and stops at every border. It's a pain in the butt. And, you know, there's a lot of goods and services that go back and forth. For instance, the Airbus, which is the Europeans' answer to the the American Airlines industry, especially the Boeing's passenger jets. By the way, Boeing's selling to the Chinese, and we're buying from the Europeans the Eurobus. I don't like them. I don't think they're as well built as the Boeings, but that may be my prejudice. And I've flown on several in the past few years. But these have parts that are manufactured in Spain, in Germany, in Great Britain, and they're assembled in southern France. So now what's going to happen? You're going to have to stop and check all of this? I mean, these are pretty high-tech pieces of equipment that are coming through the borders of these countries. So the Europeans have got a real mess, and at a time when the European economy is on the rocks. We've seen that. We saw that firsthand this summer when we went to Italy. Italians are having a hard time. And it was interesting to hear the Italians, too. We asked them, what do you think about the North Africans and the Syrians coming into Italy? You know, they're, they're coming into the, into the toe of the country because it sticks out in the Mediterranean. It's not far from North Africa to the toe of, of Italy. And they said they weren't worried. And we said, why not? They said, well, we're broke. We don't have any welfare. So they'll keep moving. They all want to go to Northern Europe. They want to go to the Scandinavian countries and Germany. And that's a, a big burden for some of the Scandinavian countries. You take in 500,000 or a million refugees and you're a country of 6 or 8 million, you're going to be overwhelmed. But a lot of these countries have a zero growth rate, birth rate, and they need workers. Now, for Germany, it's a different story. I think they're close to 100 million now. So if they take a million, that's not a big drop in the bucket. Even if they're 50 million, it's not a big, a real big drop in the bucket. It is if they're terrorists, though. That's the problem. And again, once these folks get in, they can move anywhere. So how are they going to have parity between the countries and ensuring that there is a security system in place that's going to protect the Europeans from the mid easterners and North Africans who may harbor terrorists? Tough, tough situation. And this is at a time when their economy is, is struggling. They've had little if no growth in the past few quarters. Industrial production is barely expanding. And you're going to add more people? I mean, you've got to have something to sell. You've got to produce something or provide a service if you want to get some cash, as the Greeks are going to learn the hard way. But this whole thing may be a big political risk. As well as an economic risk to the European Union and to the economy. Nationalist parties are growing up all around Europe. Say, what are the nationalist parties? Well, the Nazis were a nationalist party. There's a left wing party in Spain that's a nationalist party. There's a big, strong right wing nationalist party in France. It's also racist. They don't want Muslims, they don't want Jews, they don't want blacks, they don't want anybody who doesn't speak proper French. And they're gaining ground. And we saw the same thing after World War I and before World War II. This is what happened in Europe. And look at Greece. You know, instead of buckling in and saying to the EU bank, to the central bank of Europe, yeah, we'll do it, we'll cut our spending, we'll increase our taxes. They said, no, we're not going to do that. And the union is punishing them But there's a lot of pressure not to boot them out all the way. And if you do boot out one, then what? What does that mean? I mean, if you're trying to be like we are, a group of states of small nations acting as one federation, as one big nation, can you leave it? Well, Abraham Lincoln answered that question when the South tried to leave. No, you can't leave. This is a permanent marriage what will the European Union do? I mean, are they going to be able to pull that close and hang on that tight? Again, I think it would be in our best interest. Gone are the days when manufacturers in Europe consistently shipped completed items. You know, the the European Airbus goes shopping, and they go to different countries within the European Union and say, to com- sub companies there, subcontractors, can you make the guidance system, the autopilot for our Airbus 700? We're taking bids, and they get bids from three, four, five, six different areas. And they take what they think is the best bid, whether it's the British or the Germans. And that's who makes that component. Same thing we do. Components are made all over. There are subcontractors and jobbers, whether it's cars or planes, trucks, buses, motorcycles, whatever it is. There are parts that are made all over the United States and Canada and Mexico and the Far East, and we bring them in. So Detroit may bring in steering wheels from Indiana, may bring in engine blocks from Alabama. Europeans are trying to do the same thing. And it'd be tragic to see this fall apart. We need this to stay in place. We need a stable world, and a stable Europe, and a stable Russia mean a stable world. We don't want to see the Europeans devolve back into tribal states that are bickering over nonsense and fomenting war with one another and causing havoc. But this is what really amazes me. I mean, the euro is down to five to ten american it used to be a, a buck 50 so your dollar was worth a lot less in europe than it was in the united states or canada so now they're almost on parity they're almost even what's that mean for you and me well it means that european goods at least for the moment are going to be cheaper you say well we don't buy much european oh yeah we do We buy pottery, we buy finished products, we buy food stuff, we buy wine, we buy all kinds of things from the Europeans. They're a big trading partner. Not as big as Canada or China, but they're big, and they're getting bigger. And we actually have positive trade balances with some of these countries like France and Italy. They buy a lot of our goods. So this is going to mean... We can buy their goods cheaper, but our goods are going to be costlier for them. We can now pick up something made in Italy like pottery or dishes or tile cheaper than we could last year. Here's the thing that I want you guys to think about. I'm going to talk about this at the end of the show. This is the perfect time, and I know you say you're crazy crazy. This is the perfect time if you've ever wanted to take a European trip to go to Europe. And you say, well, what about terrorism? And I say to you, it's not a worry. It's not a worry. And here's why. There is so much security. When we were in Italy, there were federal, state, local police and troops at every major tourist attraction, every one. And they were checking everybody. You couldn't bring in bags into any of the big cathedrals or the Vatican or uh, the, the Colosseum or anywhere. You couldn't bring in your purse without it being checked. You couldn't come in with any weapons. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. And they all cite 9-11 and the terrorism that's evolved since then. So this is a very, very safe time to go to Europe. No, I wouldn't go to a nightclub where there's a lot of young adults. No, I wouldn't go to any big soccer games or any big events, venues where there's difficulty with security. But this is a wonderful time. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. I'm going to run grab a cup of joe. I'll be right back. This is Doctor Bill, your radio MD.
3: Girl, girls, So oh.
4: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. President Obama is set to leave Washington in about 90 minutes for the much-anticipated UN Climate Conference in Paris. Environmental activists lined up shoes on Paris streets today to represent the people barred from protesting because of heavy security. A six-hour manhunt east of Pittsburgh has resulted in the arrest of a man and the shooting death of a police officer answering a domestic call. The police say that Ray Shelter Jr. was captured early this morning. Planned Parenthood says witnesses to the clinic shooting in Colorado characterized the gunman as motivated by his opposition to abortion. Officially, police have not disclosed a motive for the Friday attack. And the body of a Russian pilot killed when his warplane was shot down by Turkey will be returned home. The Prime Minister says Turkey has taken delivery of the body. A local church has performed religious rites. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for West Coast
2: Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive X-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795.
1: If you had $25,000 to bet against Warren Buffett, would you? Hi, I'm Nicholas Vardy, a London-based money manager, and I've put $25,000 of my own money on the line against one of the most successful investors of our time. And I'm so confident I'll beat the Oracle of Omaha, I've decided to go public and share the details of my bet against Buffett on my website, nicolasvarty.com. There, I'll also tell you two ways you too can beat Buffett. One strategy is up an incredible 1,456% over the last 14 years versus 252% for Buffett. To get my free special report on my bet against Buffett, plus two ways you can beat Buffett too, visit www.NicholasVardy.com. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-V-A-R-D-Y.com. NicholasVardy.com.
0: Kim was driving down the road right by the fourth hole. Someone yelled, Four! Golf ball hit her windshield. She wasn't worried. Her first thought was a new freeway on the spot. She called 813-96-GLASS. 813-96-GLASS. If it's chipped or cracked, we'll buy it back. We turn your broken glass into cold hard cash. Auto Glass America. Up to $100 cash back with comprehensive insurance. You'll
4: have a partly sunny day today with a high of 80. Then expect mainly clear skies this evening, low 65. For Monday, it'll be sunny with some clouds and a high of 82, and then Tuesday, a mix of clouds and sun with a high of 83. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Holly Holdren for AM860, The Answer.
2: This is Dr. And Bill. I'm back. And that was a little bit of John Mayer singing Free Fallen, like the Euro, the European dollar. Free Fallen, baby. That thing's coming down which bodes well for us if we want to travel. If you've ever had dreams of seeing Europe or some part of Europe, now's the time. Now is the time. Now, if you do want to go to Europe, you can make this vacation cheaper than if you were to go from, say, here to Seattle. And I know this because we did this this summer and this fall. We went to Seattle in the summer, and then we went to Italy in the fall, and per per day, per person, it was cheaper to go to Italy. So how does this work? Well, first of all, you got to got to time it now if the dollar and the euro are close to even go to the bank and buy the euros you think you'll need once you get to europe to pay cash for whatever american express charges a big exchange rate for making foreign transactions and purchases i think mastercard and visa are a little bit cheaper so you can use those cards when you get there you can go online and there are a ton of apartments and condos and flats in all of the major cities in europe that are for lease or rent for short term. Usually it's a two-night stay required, but you can probably find one night if you're going to be traveling and want to see a lot of cities in a hurry. Personally, I don't like to travel that way. I like to stay in one city and get to know it and get to know the folks a little bit. And this is much, much cheaper than staying at hotels, especially in downtown areas like Paris or Rome. You're going to pay through the nose. We stayed at the... At the Hilton Inn, we flew into Orly, which is the smaller airport in Paris a few years ago. It was pretty cheap to fly there, relatively speaking. And we stayed at the Hilton there, and it was about the same as staying in, you know, a Hilton here downtown St. Pete, maybe a little bit more expensive. Yes, you had to take the train into town, the, the metro. It was about a 20, 30-minute ride, but it was fun. You got to meet people and talk. You got to see some of the scenery. And so there are ways you can do it. It's less expensive. And certainly with the dollar being so strong against the euro, now is the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. The European Union banking officials are considering ch- charges on banks within their union. They're hoarding cash. And you say, banks actually hoard cash? Yeah. Yeah, they'll do that. They'll hold on to cash and wait until they can make investments that they think are going to pay a better interest rate. So they may not be willing to finance commercial ventures. Like my office building getting a redo. And that was a problem during our recession. We couldn't get any refinancing. Fortunately, we have because a lot of the banks were sitting on the cash they had. They didn't want to let go. And since they were paying almost no interest on deposits from people, they were making out like thieves. They were going to hang on to their four, five, six percent mortgages or short term, intermediate term notes to businesses like mine, and they're not going to refinance because as long as I'm making the payment, why should they? They're making money. We're going to strengthen our dollar here shortly because we're going to push up our interest rates a little bit. The Fed's going to come out with a little quarter of a point or half a point bump in the interest rates in December, most likely. And what does that mean? How does that make our dollar stronger? Well, that means that more people will want to invest here from outside of the country or even within the country. They'll want to buy treasury bills, which are just short-term loans to the federal government or intermediate-term loans because it pays better interest than in the European Union or in China or wherever else you might go and try and buy bonds or treasury notes. And the European Union, in fact, they're not paying any interest on deposits. They're charging you. They're charging. If I go to a European bank and say, look, I got a hundred thousand dollars I want to put into the Deutsche Bank. Can I buy a CD or a treasury bill or something? They'll say, sure, but it'll cost you a half a percent for us to hold onto your money. So your money is going to decrease and they're going to ease even more because they want to stimulate inflation. Which is what you do when your economy's in the tank. You pour more money in, and you lower interest rates, and you hope that, and you find the banks that are hoarding cash, and you hope that that will get money out and stimulate the industry and growth. That'll help Doctor Bill put a new roof on his office or buy a new piece of X-ray equipment, which will stimulate the economy. So, the euro is dropping like a stone. And the dollar stronger and stronger against almost every other national note, national dollar, or national currency. And why is our economy heating up? Well, it looks like in inflation is under control. It looks like the uh, job scene is improved. And we'll wait and see what December shows. And I know there's a lot of argument that the jobs are not what they used to be, and and that may be true, but there's still enough money floating around and there's enough cash in people's pockets that it's stimulating not only investments in businesses like mine, little guys like me, but also purchase of of goods by consumers, whether it be a new television or a new computer or whatever. And of course, there's more and more people paying cash for their health care as well because of the high cost of health insurance, so that's getting more money out there. It's unbelievable, though, that the German government bond is paying negative .196% with two-year yields, Uh, I think that's five-year yields, and two-year yields are negative 0.418%, almost a half of a percent point that you have to pay them to hold on to your money. What's this doing to, to crude oil? Well, it's, it's pushing the price down. There's a lot of crude oil out there. The dollar's stronger. It's, it's just supply and demand. If you don't need it and you're not going to buy it, then whoever's peddling it is probably going to ask less in hopes that he can find somebody else to buy his goods or her goods. So barrels hovering around $45 for West Texas crude as low as $43 a barrel, gas prices are falling, gold prices are down. Very interesting the way our world works. I love it. I just love watching it. So, again, I tell you, folks, don't be afraid of terrorism in Europe right now. That should not be a reason to stop you from traveling. If you've always wanted to go to Europe, if you've had that hankering, but you've said, we can't afford it, the euro's too strong, costs too much to fly over there, hotels are expensive, there's ways to get around all that. Look for the cheapo airlines, discounted prices right now, go to Priceline, go to Travelocity, go to all these websites that are hurting, and look for a cheap flight to somewhere you want to go, London, Paris, Rome. the airports are all on the periphery of town. Look for hotels to stay out in the airport area. They're always cheaper, just like here. Or if you want to stay closer to town, go online and find an apartment or a condo for rent. That's what we did in Milan. We stayed in a castle in central Italy, and there's tons of castles and villas for rent. And the Italians are begging, begging people to especially from the United States, to rent these places for two or three or five or ten nights. Tremendous opportunity. And you can travel around from there. Or if you're the kind of person that just likes to walk around, then you just go to one big city, take the train in, and there's a lot of uh, rapid transit in Europe. They're very big on subways and trains between cities, and it's much easier to travel surface-wise in Europe than it is in the United States. We have to drive everywhere here. So that's something to think about. As well, with the fall in oil prices, gas is going down, and so gas is cheaper in Europe as well as in the United States. And you say, well, isn't it really expensive over there? Yes, but you know what? They have such stringent laws on fuel efficiency that you end up paying about the same per mile of travel. The cars are smaller. Most of them are stick shifts. They're mostly four-cylinder engines with high-performance carburetors and injectors, so they use the fuel efficiently. A lot of them burn diesel, which is cheaper in some areas. And so there's a lot of opportunity there, and you're not going to pay... Any more for renting a car, at least in my experience, in Italy or France than you would in in Seattle or San Francisco. So that's something to think about. Now, if you're one of these people that hoards gold and you think gold's a great investment, I'm not an expert on this. But the last time I looked at gold, it didn't keep up with inflation. You may want to check that out. And what about the British pound? It's coming down, too. It's probably going to be below a $1 buck to a buck fifty. The pound has traditionally been two to two and a half dollars that you would have to pay to get one pound. It's been a lot stronger than than our dollar, and the pound has been rocked by bad economic news in Great Britain, just as in the European Union. Britain is part of the European Union, although they did not subscribe to some of the of the treaties, like the open borders. And what does it mean when interest rates go up or down? When they go up, it usually means that the country's healthy economically. And they're saying, we're healthy. Come, come give us some of your money and we'll pay you a good interest rate so we can use your money to stimulate even more growth. And when the interest rates are going down, it means, hey, we're having trouble here. We're struggling. Let's see if we can stimulate our domestic money to get moving. The dollar's at a seven-month high right now against the, the pound. And with rate hikes probable in the United States by the Federal Reserve in December, it's going to go even higher. The Bank of England, they're scared of hiking rates even if the economy is decent without the support of our Fed. They want to see what we do first. Remember, their economy is much smaller than ours yet we're tied very tightly when it comes to banking and financial institutions. As we saw with the crash of the derivatives before the recession in 08, 07, 08 09. So they're waiting to see what we do. Well, it's going to mean a cheaper British pound as well, so if you're interested in going to Britain, You want to see London or Scotland or Ireland, you can start in North Ireland, Northern Ireland, and you can travel down to the Irish Republic or you can probably fly into Dublin just as easily and just as cheaply. A lot of opportunities here, a lot of opportunities. I think that we need to take a look at all of this and say to ourselves, are we going to make lemonade out of this or are we going to just sit and and suck on the sour juices and, and... and say it's terrible out there, and, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're going to go on a trip, guys. That's that's what we're going to do. Let's get a trip going. Let's organize. Let's get a cruise going. Let's get a, a thing to Europe going. Let's go somewhere. I mean, it's a wonderful time, wonderful time in the economies of of the world to get moving, get moving. Let's go buy something. I love it. So everything's sinking over there in Europe. The sterling pound is in the pond, baby. It's going down. Gold's falling. The euro's on the rocks. Hey, by the way, you know, I looked this up. This was pretty interesting. I thought, you know, I've been saying we need to draw closer to Turkey over the ISIS situation, and now that Turkey and Russia are on the rocks because of turkey shooting down one of their planes and now the russians are retaliating and they're they're detaining businessmen with turkish passports who were in moscow for a trade uh, show and the turks are protesting their prime minister is saying this is ridiculous it's it's unnecessary and the russians are saying well you won't apologize for shooting down our jet liner i mean our jet fighter by the way the turks returned the body of the pilot Uh, to the Russians and the Turks are saying well you didn't apologize for flying in our airspace so we've got you know the typical continental spitting match going on I mean how infantile is this these people are a few hundred kilometers away from each other they've been living in the same neighborhood for a thousand years and they still can't have a civil relationship. So the the Turkish-Russian relationship is souring, and the European Union's turning to Turkey, and they're saying, hey, you really want to be a full partner, a full member of the EU, which Turkey does? Say, well, can you help us out with all these Syrian refugees? And the Turks said, sure. We'll take them, along with $3 billion, and perhaps more to care for all these Syrians that are coming into our country. And we also want to be made a full member of the European Union. I say go for it. You know, the Europeans are saying, well, you have to be more green. Let's work on that later. Well, you have to apologize to the Armenians and to the world for killing a million Armenians. This generation of Turks, they don't know anything about that. Just as my son, he doesn't have any idea about World War II. And what the Nazis did? They don't know. So, you know, what's the big deal here in Europe? You're in a bind. The Turks are willing to help. They want to come in. They're a strong trading partner. They've got a good industrial basin. They're a secular state, a secular nation, even though the party that's in power now is more Islamic fundamentalist than perhaps you or I would like to see but they're still a tolerant country, there's multiple religions, and their constitution is not based on Sharia or any Islamic law. It's a secular state. So let's not push them away. As I've said before, we, the United States, need to stand shoulder to shoulder with Turkey. And if that means getting rid of Assad, then so be it. If that means containing the Kurds, then that's that's what we've got to do. We have to tell the Kurds, You can't fight with the Turks because we're with them, too. We'll protect you from the Turks and the Turks from you, but you can't try incurring into their area, their country, their land, and taking a chunk of it. Stop that and stop it now. We'll talk about land and settlement in a Kurdish state at a later date. That's not the major thrust of this. The major thrust is to contain Islamic fundamentalistic terrorism. That's the main thrust. So we gotta hang with the Turks. The Europeans need to kiss and hug and make up with the Turks. Forget about the Armenians. Forget about going 100 percent green. Bring them in. Get them in the EU. Make them a full working partner. It'll be easier for the United States and the EU to form a coalition with Turkey to settle the situation in Syria to get rid of ISIS, to get rid of Assad, he doesn't control much of the country anymore anyway. It's mostly ISIS and the, the revolutionaries that are Syrians. Let's get Syria put back together. Let's repatriate their people, get them set up in a homeland. But as I've said before, if we go in, we got to stay for 100 years. We can't come and go and come and go. That's not going to work. we got to stay there and make sure they behave. And it can be a, a joint venture with the Union, European Union, our other allies around the world, Turkey. We can do this. It's doable. And it's an opportunity to pull the Turks away from the Russians, because the biggest threat to the world is Russia, as it always has been in my lifetime. We need to contain the Russians. We need to get closer with the European Union, and especially with Turkey. Let's let Turkey take the lead. If they're going to take all of these refugees, and that will keep the European Union from raising border patrols at every state line. Can you imagine if you had to stop at every state going from Florida to Chicago and pass customs and inspections? What a pain, especially if you're a truck driver with a big load. We don't want that. We don't need that. We don't want the Europeans to have that. We like the way they're going. We want, to keep it, we want to keep encouraging them to do what they're doing. We want to support them in their efforts. We want them to bring the Turks into the Union. We want to stand beside the Turks, shoulder to shoulder, and say, what do we do? What do you want to do? You want to get rid of Assad? Let's get rid of Assad. What's the big deal? if you want to put a government in there that is predominantly Muslim, if it'll bring stability to the area and you sign on to the agreements including leaving Israel alone, then let's do it. What's the, what's the difference? We can convert these people to our way of thinking easier by putting an arm around their shoulder, by befriending them, by letting them see our way of life than we can by getting the hair up on our back, being afraid, making the wrong decisions based on fear or outdated prejudices that we may have. Does that mean we want to welcome Muslims into the country with open arms from all over the world? No, no more than we want to welcome anybody else. We want a good immigration policy. But that doesn't mean that we can't support Turkey and the EU and all of our other partners over there in making this a peaceful and productive part of the world. We can do this. Here's the opportunity, guys. The Russian-Turkey split. The EU needs Turkey. Turkey's the key, as I've been saying for the past several weeks. We need the Turks. They need us. Come on, let's get moving. Let's tell our our representatives, our presidents, our congressmen, our senators, our diplomats, get off your butts, guys, and get this going. Well, that's my little soap opera for the day. It's close to the end of the show, and Chris is barking in my ear, Doc, the show's almost over. Yes, it is. Listen, I want to thank you guys, as always, for being with me. Love you. Need you. See you next week. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.
4: And how many dollars would you give for it? How much for this beautiful oil paint?
0: Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn